they call me Crazy Jack. And I, I think crazy is good. We are crazy, but we're not stupid. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. Stay hungry, stay foolish. The Creativity Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Creativity Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs who want to make a difference in the world. Today we have a French entrepreneur, startupper, Guillaume Moubesh, CEO and co-founder of Lemlist, a cold email software tool platform. Welcome, Guillaume, on the Creativity Podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, Budzi. I'm really happy to be here. With pleasure, with pleasure. So I am super glad you're here. Uh, you recently had a lot of press coverage, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, of course. Uh, but just for the story, we actually gave a TEDx together and we didn't give a TEDx together <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I was um, suspected to have uh, COVID because I, I was in contact with people that had the COVID and I couldn't um, go to this location where they filmed the TEDx. And so I did a TED talk on a video and you did a TED talk live and <laughs> it was uh, very interesting. I, I saw yours. Uh, so I recommend it to people who want to watch it. It was in English, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, in English. Okay. Yeah. So we will put all the details as well. And I discovered you had a really interesting path. Um, so we'll discuss about that in all in a minute as well. And I want to say beyond this uh, $30 million story that is uh, all around, but it's still interesting. So you're also going to talk about that. So first of all, tell us already what you are doing in a couple of words uh, today. Yeah, sure. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Lemlist, which is a tool that helps a sales team get more meetings with their prospects. Uh, in three years, we grow from uh, zero to 10,000 plus customers worldwide, and uh, we're growing exponentially. Our team is about 35 people, and most of our customers are actually based in the US. Wow, well, so you, answers, uh, you answered five of my questions already? So that's great. <laughs> that's perfect, wow, that's cool, very cool. And how long did that take to uh, come to that place. Uh, when did you start it? When was it founded? Uh, we started back in uh, 2018, so it's uh, about three years ago. Wow, that's that's great. So, what what's the concept of Limlist for people who are who don't know anything about sales and cold emailing and things like that? Essentially, like uh, when you go on LinkedIn, when you have your own business, or if you work in a sales team or marketing team, your goal is to find customers. So ideally, you're going to go on LinkedIn, try to find those people, and you want to reach out to them. So with Lemlist, you can basically automate and personalize the outreach to more people, and you will get, uh, you'll be able to automate essentially like uh, the follow-ups. So for example, when you send a message to someone, there is, let's say, like a uh, a 15% chance that they will answer, but eventually you need to follow up in order to increase the, the chances of getting a meeting and, and meeting that person. So Lemlist is a tool that will help you to do that. Okay. And isn't it... Um, I always have difficulty with the, um, the concept of cold mailing, right? Because you... I mean, you... I... <laughs> I... <laughs> think um, um annoying the person you know of course it has to be qualified it has to be the right target uh do you get that a lot people uh, being afraid of that yeah i think people are are especially i think in france people are scared to talk to other people but in the end you know it's like uh, when you have when you have your own company on when you're selling like a, a service or a product you're selling a solution to a problem so not reaching out to people who might benefit from your solution is basically like stopping willing to help other people. So I think like um, mm. it's something you really have to cross. Uh, so it's a false belief that you have within yourself, but it's, it's the same thing as networking. So for example, you know, when, whenever you contacted me, we didn't know each other. Uh, you said, okay, like uh, you had your icebreaker was uh, hey, uh, AG, like uh, we're going to be together at the TEDx. So obviously we had something in common and it was easy for you like to break the ice and uh, and start building a relationships but actually it's the same thing with uh, with prospecting you reach mm. out to people because you think that the, your product or service is relevant to them and instead of trying to sell your product or service 
what you should do is start building relationships. So for example, um, let's say you are, um, I don't know, selling like a tool uh, that sells um, contacts with influencers, like marketing influencers. What you could do is basically like reach out to brands and then you can ask them, you know, like questions such as, um, hey, um, I just saw you were building that really cool t-shirt brand. Um, I, I'm, I've just noticed that your presence on Instagram is not that big. Have you thought about doing some influencer marketing? I'd love to exchange on things yeah. that have been working well for some of our customers. That's yeah. like relationship building. You're trying to bring value to help someone else. And, uh, and then it's a great way to start a relationship. Yeah, it's not the stupid idea we have in mind, you know, buy this, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> buy this can of soda and it's good for you. And you're like, what's, yeah, yeah I, I like this approach. And, um, and definitely it's, um, it is, I think the, the best approach possible and people have a lot of, um, stereotypes about selling and marketing as well, I think, and it's changing a lot. So that's great. I think your tool is, uh, is amazing. And for those who missed this crazy story of you refusing the $30 million deal, it's dollars, right? It's yeah, it was dollars. Dollar. Yeah. Uh, ca can you tell uh, to our listeners what happened in a few words? Yeah, sure. So essentially, like um, in the early days of Lemlist, um, I, I, I remember because I was really in the startup ecosystem in Paris. And every time I had chat with friends, their first question was like, uh, okay, how much fund have you raised with your startup? Yeah, definitely. And then I was like, we haven't raised any. And then they were like, oh, in that case, you don't have a startup. So basically <laughs> with everything like this, you kind of feel like shit for not raising. So yeah. in the early days, I decided like to, to start raising, like, uh, to start raising capitals from investors. But after a month of getting rejected because we didn't have revenue, we didn't have a product and everything. I received like a, a message from one of our customers that was saying that he closed, uh, I think it was a $20,000 deal. And, and then basically I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. You know, like this is why I started. My why is basically to help people succeed. So after growing Lemlist and, and you know, like uh, reaching a um, couple of millions in revenue in the, in the first 18 months, I was like, okay, now it's uh, it's important for me to show also like uh, the world that the success of your company shouldn't be linked to the amount of money you raise. And um, because, you know, like if you look at the media, you're going to have essentially companies saying like, yeah, they have raised uh, 30 million, 50 million, 100 million, etc. But we, we never talk. We always associate it with the success when, however, uh, we never talk about the revenue they're making, the happiness of their employee, like Everything is centered around fundraising when actually most companies who are fundraising are failing after a couple of years. So mm. my goal was um, essentially to, to showcase this. So I have like a YouTube channel that I started, uh, I think it was at the end of, um, of 2020. So about like five months ago or six months ago. And then I decided, okay, let's say that we're going to, let's announce publicly that we will do a fundraising. That way I can showcase, you know, to people the step-by-step -step process on how to do it. But if we receive an offer, we would say no, just to show the world that the success of a company shouldn't be linked to the amount of money you raised. Oh, you announced it before? Yeah, we, we announced live. Uh -huh. No, we, we didn't announce we didn't announce that we will be saying no. <laughs> no of uh, course, because investors wouldn't <laughs> otherwise no investors call, would yeah. have made the offer. But uh, but we knew it from the start. So the okay, first offer enough. we received actually was a, a $20 million offer at a $100 million valuation. Not so, enough. Not <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was already huge. But the fact that oh. we announced that we received that offer, it created a lot of uh, FOMO, so fear of missing out. And we had even more investors reaching out to us. And uh, another investor offered us $30 million. But what was quite crazy with this offer is... Um, so. If uh, for those of you who don't really know, like the, the ecosystem of uh, investors, um, essentially you have VC, which are like the venture capitalists. And their goal is whenever they invest in the company is that the money they give goes directly to the company bank account. It's not for the founders. And however, we had a new offer from a private equity fund. And what they told us is that $15 million would go to the company and $15 million would go directly into our pockets. And wow. we could keep the control of the company, meaning that... That is rare. 
yeah no? yeah yeah that was that was really crazy <laughs> and uh and initially for us you know it was easy to say no to vc because we don't need the money to keep growing etc etc but when you know that you can take some cash out it's really really like uh yeah it's really stressful because you're like yeah dang. i guess how did <laughs> you, you know? how, that's something i want to know how did you live it how did you personally guillaume live that moment yeah it's it's crazy you know it's um because you're thinking that we are three co-founders we is uh, and we each own a third of the company so um, it was essentially five million dollar each so with five million dollar uh you can stop working you know <laughs> like uh, it's uh, it's enough to stop working and everything so i didn't sleep well wow. <laughs> let's say yeah. and then i thought you know like why exactly am i doing this uh and again it always come you know to to Purpose, the reason yeah. why you're doing things you know i, I come from um, a, a family that didn't earn a lot of money my parents uh, didn't go to uh, like uh, university they didn't get their uh, baccalaureate so like french uh, high school oh. degree what jobs um, did you um my mom she works uh, as a like functionnaire so it's like uh, basically uh, how 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 would i translate that <laughs> uh, yeah for the government yeah government of. but yeah not uh, not a high position <laughs> uh, okay. and my dad is a is a designer uh, so it's like uh, yeah working uh, doing design from uh, for for restaurant or things like that okay. um so essentially like um you know like in the early days when i started lemlist i thought that my motivation was also about you know getting more money being richer etc but then you reach a certain point uh, i mean for us it was crazy like in in less than three years we were reaching uh, four and five million uh, dollar uh, ARR, so it's like a lot of money. And then I realized that money is not what makes me happy. What drives me is really like uh, when I know that I've helped people get the same freedom I have running my business. And mm. uh, and once you know that, I think it's uh, it's important that okay for me, what matters is to do the things I like and I love. And I know that if someone is uh, is buying shares in our company as in investing he will have or she will have uh, a word to say on my decisions and on what I want to do. And this is something I don't want. So we discussed with our with my co-founders, Jan and Francois, and we were all aligned on that vision. So we just said, fuck it. <laughs> let's keep growing mm -hmm. Lemlist and let's do things that we love. Uh, <clears throat> don't you think sometimes um, it's hard to uh, get connected to that purpose, to that why, when you don't have the money and you're a little bit craving for it, do you think sometimes it's better to, I mean, there is not a universal answer for that, but sometimes it's a bit easier to go after the money, get you rich first somehow, <laughs> and then it's easier to reconnect to that purpose. What do you think about that statement? Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, like uh, we say something that says, um, I knew what I wanted until I got it. And for me, it's exactly that, you know, it's mm. like uh, I, I knew I wanted to be rich until I started like earning a lot of money with Lemlist because right now, you know, like uh, I'm getting like really, really good salary. Uh, we're getting like dividends each year, which are huge. I can uh, get a flat, buy a flat, uh, have my house, yeah. spend the money the way I want, travel as I want. But it's not, you know, it's not what makes me happy in the end. And uh, and but before that, I didn't know about it, you know, because I had never been rich in my entire life. Like uh, my parents, uh, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. I didn't grow up with a lot of stuff. I never lack of anything and I had a good education and everything. But still, you know, but now yeah. that I have it, as you said, you know, once you don't have it, I think like, for example, if in the early days of Lemley, someone would have offered us maybe like just one or two million. I think, yeah, I think in the early days, we said if someone offered us like three million dollars, uh, for the company itself not just investing but just for the company we would have sold it you know but yeah. now it's like yeah we yeah <laughs> that, that's that's hard to understand for uh, people who are not entrepreneurs and or for people who are you know struggling and they, they would they would kill for a million dollars yeah. <laughs> and, and but i totally get your position it's it's evolving the the, um, the why is evolving and i believe uh, so my company is not making millions yet, but yet. that's uh, the important yet. part. <laughs> it's, it's the important word. Um, but I reached certain levels, and every time I reached a level, there is some kind of um, in French uh, an appel d'air. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a yeah, yeah. 
like you're you on top more. of some kind of one mountain and you're yeah. like well what do you want to do now you know some kind of a <laughs> tiny mini depression you know yeah. you're like okay so i need another man- mountain now <laughs> another why and this is evolving so i think it's also um important for people to understand that because from the exterior uh it can it can i think there would be a lot of judgment uh towards you you 29 oh he makes millions and now he's saying he's saying no to 30 minutes you know it can be misinterpreted yeah yeah um, of course of course yeah yeah and so you do you uh don't you think you're shooting yourself in a bullet in the foot because of that <laughs> because do, do you think later you need, you will need fundings or you say no we, we don't want to dilute our equity and I think, I think like we want to keep, we really want to keep the, the full control of the company. I'm not saying mm-hmm. no, like as a definitive no, because I think yeah, things are evolving know. really quickly. And, uh, and then again, you know, like, uh, I think like ambition, it's like appetite. It goes by eating. So for example, like, I think if you grew up in a, in a family that is like extremely wealthy, extremely rich, your ambition by definition would be higher because you see around you successful people, then success becomes like uh, something attainable or it's something that you feel that you can reach. And I think like uh, with the company, it's exactly the same. You know, we started small with not a lot of ambition and step by step, we have more and more ambition. And to answer your question regarding like the the, the fundings and and everything, actually we had, um, I'm having like much more, um, I would say like, quality conversation with VCs now than I had in the past because a lot of them are reaching out to me and they've digged in into Lemlist and say, we love the, your message. Our job as an investor is to say no to people reaching out to us. So 99% of the time we're saying no. And most of them are sending me pitch deck where they don't understand that being profitable is something essential for a business and that it's much easier for a an investor to invest in a profitable business rather than in a business that just has an idea. And essentially, like a lot of investors <clears throat> like that. And uh, and yes, yeah, so it's uh, quite interesting. Hmm. I like that. Uh, I like that approach. I had a, I had an, a question that um, that is related to it and at the same time a bit off. Um, because you are startup and I know there is an official definition of startups, but when do you draw the line between a startup and a small business? Uh, Because we imagine the startup uh, with this exponential growth um, evolution and Lemlis is definitely a startup in that sense. (laughs) Um, But what would you say is the main difference for our listeners out there who and and how did you how did you approach it with Lemlis? Did it matter or not at all? For me, yeah, I, th- I think like a, a startup needs to have two things. It needs to be like a, something different. So, for example, if you come to a market that exists already, you need to do something different to showcase that uh, you're kind of like disrupting an industry. Um, and on the other end, I think it's linked to the growth rate and the type of business model. So if your business model changes a lot or can change like rapidly, you are a startup and not a small business. And if uh, you are growing really, really, really fast, then also you can you can be called a startup. But in the end, for me, it's more like, uh, OK, if you want to be cool, say you have a startup. If you want to be <laughs> old school, say you have an SMB or medium business. But in the end, you know, you have like tons of medium businesses that are doing like, uh, I don't know, like uh, hundreds of millions of dollars each year and no yeah. one knows about them and they're like sure. really happy making tons of money and that's it yeah i have clients that have like things you never heard before you know like <laughs> st- stuff that are in your house that, that, that they build and you're like oh you're making that kind of plastic you know <laughs> ah, and you're but, a billionaire ah, cool. uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i just sell white plastic uh, pieces and you're like wow that's i didn't know there was a business about it but um, yeah, anyways, I want to get back on you and your path. And I saw in your TEDx that you have traveled before, that you studied business in HEC. Tell us a little bit about your early 20s and this moment of your life. Yeah, so essentially, I never had the chance to, to travel with my parents because we simply didn't have the money. So I, I initially, I'm a chemical engineer, which has <laughs> nothing wow. to do uh, with... Uh, with uh, with what I'm doing now, 
But um, I lived in Scotland for a bit where I was studying um, medicinal chemistry. So we were doing a lot of uh, drug synthesis. And, um, and then after that, when I came back to Paris and graduated, I had worked in, uh, in quite a lot of companies and I did pretty much every student job you can do just to save enough like uh, for flight tickets to do like a, a world tour. And my goal wow. was to use like a um, social network to stay at people's home for free. And whenever we needed to basically stay longer, I would just um, work uh, in exchange for accommodation. So yeah, we with my best friend, we did that and we traveled for like almost a year. I think we did uh, more than 20 countries or 25 countries in total. So it was, uh, it was really, really amazing experience. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. And so you came back and at what time did you say to yourself, I want to be an entrepreneur? I'm thinking of building a company. What was the, 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 the moment, the tilting moment? I think it's a, it's a mix of, uh, of several feelings. I think like I knew from early days that I wanted to do business, but for my parents, uh, business was not like a job. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, you should study science instead. And, uh, and eventually, you know, at least you're, you're going to get a, a good education and a good job. But uh, <laughs> eventually when I, when I traveled, I knew that I wanted to get like the same level of freedom in my life. And, uh, and for me, I think like uh, launching and starting a business was um, what would allow me to, to get the same level of freedom. So when I got back to Paris, I basically said, okay, like uh, I need to launch a business, but to, do, to launch a business, you need to be good at business. So let's go to, uh, to a business school. Wow, that's what you said definitely rings a bell because my whole family are teachers, so fonctionnaires <laughs> as well. And, you know, it's... it's um, the more I talk with entrepreneurs and, and I have a lot of entrepreneurs' friends and this podcast, and it's often about freedom, whatever freedom it is, you know, freedom of doing what you want, freedom of choice. It's not necessarily, you know, freedom of not working because we work a lot. We work probably <laughs> way more than other other jobs, but it's, it's a lot about this freedom of choice somehow. Um, and a lot of different personalities they need more security so it's i don't know it's just interesting because it rings a bell in my family it's uh, it's a lot like that and <laughs> and uh, it's not a real job i heard that all my life you know uh, <laughs> and i started as a magician can you imagine so <laughs> that was also a story and and so you went to to business school so um how could you find a because I know this is a quite an expensive business school, but a great one. Uh, did you have difficulty to, to finance that or your parents helped you? And what did you learn there? Yeah, so initially, like, uh, I wanted to take a loan for, uh, for the school because when you enter like uh, HEC, like, it's, it's really easy for, for you to get loans. But um, before getting a loan, like my dad told me, like, yeah, like it's, uh, we've been saving money a lot and our goal has always to be like giving you a good education. So we're going to basically pay like uh, for one year. Um, so so they, they paid me like uh, the school. And uh, so, yeah, I was very, very grateful, like uh, grateful for that. And, um, and I was studying marketing. So at the same time, when I studied marketing, I was also like, uh, I decided to launch uh, my first business with my dad. So a t-shirt business, <laughs> but it was like a, uh, Huge fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think I made like all the mistakes uh, a young entrepreneur uh, would do. Uh, but it was also like a great source of learnings. And, uh, and it had allowed me later on to, to understand, you know, what was key in business, meaning finding customers. So you go out of business schools. What happens? So essentially at that time, um, so after failing my first business with my dad, I had a friend from uh, my same business school who asked me to to join him on his new venture, which was essentially helping clients finding their new customers. So the idea was to start doing sales prospecting for uh, many customers a bit worldwide, especially in B2B. So companies were trying to look for other companies as customers or clients. So we started doing that and we it was actually really nice because I knew that finding customers was a pain. And for me, it was a great way, you know, to, to do this for other companies. So we worked, I think, with uh, yeah, tens of companies worldwide. Uh, we generated like millions of dollars in revenue for them. And then eventually, because I was using a lot of tools uh, and platform, I knew that there were like a, a market to essentially like start a platform. 
my friend wanted to, to continue the agency and I wanted to go into the software section. So I just said, okay, let's go. And uh, I met Francois and Vianney and we launched uh, Lemlist in early 2018. Wow. How did you meet them? Actually, I was uh, in uh, Station F, which is uh, the biggest uh, startup yeah. incubator. And, uh, and uh, we were, they had actually their own software uh, that they've been developing for like two years. And it was not working well. They couldn't get a salary out of it, etc. And they asked on the Station F Slack, so big messaging system, uh, if, uh, if someone wanted to help them out for a side project for the community. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm more like marketer, marketers or biz guys, so I'm going to help out. We worked on the landing page, starting working on the side project together. The first project was uh, essentially to help people meet uh, and uh, because... The, the incubator is huge. It's like uh, almost, I think, a bit more maybe than a thousand company. And uh, it's difficult to meet with other people when you have so many companies. So we, we created a, a big directory of, uh, of all the people based on what they were working on, uh, their project, etc. So you can connect with people in similar industries than you do. And, uh, and it was really good. It went well. So eventually later on, we said, okay, let's start a, a real business together. We know that we can work together. So... Let's try it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And that's something I discovered last year. Um, that's <laughs> from the exterior, it seems like, you know, you build the whole company with your own two hands and coded the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> and in reality, most startups, especially tech uh, companies, they're uh, an aggregation of uh, several people. And each of them are super important. And, and definitely from the exterior, I, I, I can imagine some people would say, you know, oh, you came last, so it already existed, you didn't build it. But I definitely know that for a fact that it's, it doesn't work like that. You can, <laughs> those two people, I don't know what, how they were doing, but it often happens that they have some kind of product, but without the marketing, without the organization, without the business input, it would go nowhere. So it's... Um, it's it's great to to see how things are co-created like that. I love. Yes, that. especially like uh, I mean, in in that case, it was uh, they had a product, but it was not making a lot of money. So that's why we decided to start from scratch, like a whole new project, which uh, which we called Lemlist in the early days. But it was uh, for them; they had developed something like a chat, uh, some sort of chatbots. But uh, but yeah, I think it's. Uh, in any case, like a company, especially as you said in the in the tech side, it's it's always the work of many people, and it has to involve at least a biz guy and at least like one developer. Otherwise, it's uh, <laughs> I think it's tricky to to grow a, a business. Yeah, definitely, and it's also it put I think sometimes it can put a pressure on young entrepreneurs or people who wants to be entrepreneur and think oh, but I don't know anything about software. I don't know anything about how to, the technique of, you know, I'm not a coder, I'm not I'm not a developer. Um, and it doesn't necessarily work like that. You can join uh, some people and the, the aggregation of skills and talent will make the um, company successful. So it's, uh, it's great that you tell us about that. And... Um, what were your main obstacles when you started? Uh, because from the outside, it seems very simple. You know, oh, I just found a couple of friends and make millions. <laughs> uh, I know it's not. So <laughs> what, what are the main obstacles that you, you encountered? So we, we launched in a, in a very crowd, crowded market. So usually you have like two types of oceans. Uh, you have like blue oceans and red oceans. Red oceans mean you have tons of competitors, which was the case for us. What is nice, it means that the market already exists. So you know you, you have competitors, but uh, you just need to be better. And when you launch and you start, obviously your product is not going to be better at first. <laughs> so I would say that was a challenge. So I had to convince people that um, basically like our vision was to create the best platform ever and that they, they could help us out. So it was really about building relationships, involving people, making them trust you. And to do that, you know, it, it takes time. So it takes time to build oh, your brand. It takes time to convince people. It takes time to reach out to them. So um, I used like a, a few a few tricks uh, to, to get our few users uh, without any money because um, we launched the company with uh, 1,000 euros, which was uh, wow. essentially like a, 
333 uh, euros each. <laughs> um, wow, that's crazy. And uh, and eventually, like uh, we 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 needed to find ways to uh, to attract customers. So it was a lot of content, a lot of outbound. So I was using our own tool to acquire customers because I was really good at this because I had done it for many clients. And uh, at that time, I knew how to find customers. And uh, on top of it, uh, I I did and I used a lot of. Um, communities on Facebook. So, um, for example, our um, our target was like salespeople. So I would go on uh, on Facebook group with a lot of sales rep, and I would say we have developed tools that allows you to get this type of results. And then I would put a screenshot of one of my best campaigns, and then I say we have unique personalization feature. If you'd be interested in joining, just comment me. And the trick with that is uh, a lot of people. Obviously, you're going to trigger their curiosity because they want to have the same results. So it allows them to show like the really like the value of your product. Then at the same time, they are curious, so they're going to comment. And the more people comment, the more people are going to see the post, and eventually, the more people comment again. So it, it gets a bit viral. And by using this simple trick that doesn't cost you anything, you can already get like uh, thousands of uh, of uh, not thousands, but at least hundreds of uh, of beta testers. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a very good technique. Um, I believe it. I'm not sure. I believe it doesn't work with all communities because there are a lot of groups that are closed, right? They say like, oh, no advertising on this group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. when when you have there to is find those who yeah. If, if if it says like no advertising, then you know you have uh, you have different ways to do it. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, you, if it you says don't no you don't say hey buy it. You say exactly. This, I'm, a, I'm in sales as well. I got these results, right? Yeah, exactly. Or you could say something like, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just starting my business and I'm looking for feedback. Uh, what would you think about this value prop or something like that? And you start a conversation. I like that. I like that um, there is a lot of misunderstanding about sales and marketing and, and uh, the, the way you put it again is, is great. It's a lot. It's The way you say it, I wouldn't change anything. It's a lot about starting a conversation and... And not about hey, here's my stuff, buy it, you know, <laughs> because that, that <laughs> yeah, doesn't exactly. that doesn't work. But it, it takes um, I know it, it it takes a lot of uh, crazy creativity, I would say, to uh, to um, yeah to to think the way you thought to say I'm gonna convince people we are going to be the best in a crowded market because it doesn't nothing is guaranteed and. At the day one, you're not super original, right? You just have a, a dream and you bold and you have the right mindset. And then you just, th there is a some kind of a faith into the project you have, no? Yeah, I think like, uh, I mean, you know, in the early days, uh, if you don't believe in your project, no one will do because all the person around you will make you doubt about your project. I mean, it's uh, it's it's normal because... I think starting a business, especially if you start something new in a crowded industry, lots of people will have the same reaction saying like, oh yeah, but there are already people doing the same thing or similar things or how exactly are you different? And then people around you, like uh, your family, your friends are going to ask you the same question, you know, like, when are you getting a salary? When are you getting paid? And all, the, all of these things put you a lot of pressure. But if you believe in your project and if you believe in what you do and that you're helping people and that you're providing value, then I think everything becomes easier. Yeah, it's well formulated. Thank you for that because that you believe that you're going to help people to do certain things and that you bring value. I like that because otherwise it's just like, yeah, I believe in what you do. You know, it can be there. <laughs> ah, okay, we heard it a thousand <laughs> times. And definitely it, it rings a bell. Now uh, I want to go on the side of skeptical people. And I'm, I'm, I, there is something out there. I, I need to say it. Uh, I definitely don't think uh, like that. But... I'm sure a lot of people are thinking you are 29 and you refuse 30 millions and uh, they're kind of frustrated because they might struggle to get where they want to go or they, they just work super hard for a fraction of what you're worth today. And they might think, yeah, that's easy for this guy. So I'm interested to know what would you say to those people Who's those imaginary people who said <laughs> things like that? Oh, yeah, it's easy for you. It seems easy from the exterior. You're 29, just build a platform, make millions. And, you know, there's kind of um, 
feeling of it's unfair? What would you say to those people? I, I think, to be honest, that um, you need to be, I think you need to go like really, really down if you want to go really, really high. And, uh, and for me, like entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. So you're going to have highs and you're going to have a lot of lows. Uh, what people see right now is obviously like just the tip of the iceberg. You know, is this is a success? This is a million dollars. They see everything like this, and obviously, yeah, it's uh, it's it's easy when uh, when you see like the end results. But what they don't see is uh, the hours I spent working really hard. The the first year where I didn't get any salary, I was living uh, with uh, my girlfriend at that time. She was paying the rent. It was like a twenty five meter square apartment we were almost killing each other every day <laughs> because it was too small uh, i didn't have yeah. a lot of money so i was basically eating pasta every day uh, all, <laughs> all these type of things you know it's like people don't see the struggles they don't see the fact that um, i even you know like uh, stopped talking to my family because i was feeling too much pressure that when my friends were earning a really good salary and were going to restaurants I was saying, oh, no, I already have like dinner plan. So basically just yeah. not to tell them that I don't have the money to pay for a restaurant and that I will just come later to have like one drink. Uh, <clears throat> all these type of things, you know, it's like uh, what people don't see. And, uh, and the question I have for them is, are you ready to make the same sacrifices? If the answer is yes, then start entrepreneurship. And if it's not, then <laughs> they have their answer. It's great. It's a great answer. And um, there is a lot of, um, how can I say that? It's a lot of mental frustrations, you know, little frustrations and, and how you positioned, you know, you live with your girlfriend. It's all right. You live with your girlfriend. You have an apartment, but it's not yours. And you see your friend who has theirs, <laughs> you know, those kind of things. You go to the restaurant. It's all right. It doesn't matter. You're with your friend, but you don't have you cannot you don't have the freedom we're talking about freedom to just have a normal dinner with them because you know, well, yeah, you know i'm just gonna take a starter <laughs> yeah i'm not hungry <laughs> oh with the bread i'm already full <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah it's uh i definitely uh agree with that so thanks for 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 um, saying it like that i think it's great and and you also said that it's a lot about learning being an entrepreneur, right? And and the lessons are super hard lessons. Usually, you learn when you fail. You learn also when you when you win something, when you the quick wins, the, the victories. But mainly when you fail. And uh, what what is your experience with learning? Yeah, I think like I learn new things every day. But um, but I think that what what really helped me learning like more and faster. It's uh, by writing. So I wrote. I write a lot of articles. I uh, write a lot of posts a bit everywhere. And the thing is, like every time I learn something, if I put it in writing, at least you know it's uh, set in stone. So I'm sure that on top of learning it, I will also be able, you know, to take the next steps. Because you know, some people they're gonna do mistakes several times just because they haven't learned that they have they haven't learned it yet. You know, it's like. They, they don't understand that what they did was a mistake. And uh, yeah. and then, you know, they're going to repeat all, all, all the time the same things. But if you put it in writing, if you share it publicly and everything, I think it, uh, you know, it's, it's going to help you move forward. And, uh, and for me, I, as soon as you change, you know, your mindset from it's not a mistake, it's a learning, then everything becomes easier. And I think like, uh, again, you know, when I was saying like you need to go down a lot so you can go really high afterwards i truly believe it and i think it's the same with mistakes so sometimes you really need to fail hard that way you will know you know like uh, that you can uh, that you can basically wake up stand up and uh, and start working again wow that's great that's great uh, nothing to add to that <laughs> with, with that learning how did you manage that growth uh in terms of management in your company, because I guess you didn't have 35 people the day one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it grew pretty fast, I guess. Yeah. Um, how did you, how was the growth and how did you manage it as a CEO? I think like uh, the most important part when you want to manage people and when you want to work in a team is to remove your ego from all your business decision. So I think it's okay as a CEO to make mistakes but I think it's normal and it's your duty to tell to people whenever you've done mistakes. Because if you can say to people in your team that you've screwed up and that you shouldn't have said something in particular, etc., at least you open 
uh, a channel of communication that is without any filters. And getting feedback from the people around you so you can all improve is, in my opinion, the best way to grow. Yeah, definitely. And not easy to do. I don't have 30 people that I managed, <laughs> but uh, the few people I have, I know it's it's definitely... Uh, it rings a bell, the ego thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's, it is hard, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the way, right? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult, I think, because most people have been, um, you know, when, when you grow up, we often associate the things you do with the person you are, which for me, I think, can be dissociated, especially like in uh, whenever you work. So, for example, you can write a shitty article, but it doesn't mean that you're a shitty person. Those are two different yeah. things. But however, if, if I tell someone like your article is shit, obviously you're going to take it to yourself and you, you're going to say, associate this to, okay, I'm shit as well. So obviously whenever you want to give feedback, you don't say this type of things, <laughs> but yeah. you know, you, you try to, to do it like in a, in a nicer way and explain, like be very specific, etc. But again, I think it's really important. And I think as a, as a CEO, so as a, the manager, I also, it's important to show that you can fail. Uh, because if you show to people that you can fail and that it's not a fail, but it's a learning and you keep that mindset, at least you're going to inspire people to to be in the same mood as you are. And mm. it, I often say, you know, like, OK, yeah, I fucked up. Uh, this was wrong and I shouldn't have done it. What is the solution and what should we do differently? If you if you switch your mindset from being problem focused of this is all the wrong things that I've done versus solution oriented, meaning, OK, how we can do better so we don't reproduce the exact same shit that we just did from there i think it's uh it's only like uh it's an infinite path to growth essentially definitely hmm. interesting interesting <laughs> <laughs> makes me think a lot i need to focus on the on the podcast and now i'm, I'm thinking about about my stuff as well so that's, <laughs> it's a good sign it's a good sign <laughs> um now i know that you are working with your company remotely um not only remote but you have teams that are working in other countries and with the so how did how do you manage that because i know there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, advantages and also some things that are not that easy in the human needs uh, interaction and how do you respond to that for your employees yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So we started like fully remote. Now we also have like a, an office in Paris, but uh, I think our culture has been remote from day one. And uh, the truth is we work a lot based on the, on the project and we trust people. So whenever you're working from home, I think a lot of people experience it during like COVID, etc. But for us, it has always been like a, just a habit to take. So I think it, it depends on the type of people, but if you're well-organized and very goal-oriented, Working remote is fine, and uh, we just like hop on calls whenever we need to. Are very flexible whenever people need, you know, like uh, to to chat or anything, and then uh, and then we go from there. And don't you think that do, do you organize team buildings and things so they can meet and know each other and be more? Um, I mean, ultimately more performant together. Yeah. But do you organize such things? Or? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's yeah. That's something that's uh, really really important for us. So, twice, twice to three times a year, we organize like a, a team building. During COVID, it was a, a bit complex, but in uh, course, yeah. last one was in October. Uh, yeah, mid October, uh, we went for ten days in Turkey with uh, all the team. So we rented like a, a great hotel with everyone, and we spent ten days together doing both like work, but also like uh, nice activities. And as you said, like, I think having these moments where you can meet and greet and be with everyone, it's really the best way to, to create like strong bonds between everyone in the team. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now we're going to organize the next one in, uh, in June, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's important. You cannot do like, hey, we remote. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's no, no, no. It's, yeah, it's super important. Yeah. Ah, good to know. Good to know. And so, what are the processes? Because I know you're into that, into those tools, of course. <laughs> uh, um, I know that you're using Notion. I saw that on your Instagram. Um, and what are the processes and the, the agile tools, if I can say so, that you have that you use? And how did you build processes in your company? I know it's a big question, but it's mm. just for people to have an <laughs> overview on how did you manage that? I think it's important not to have too many tools. Otherwise, people get lost. 
So in Notion, for example, this is where everyone is managing like their to-dos, so what they need to do per week. We mm. tend to have uh, people focusing on project and having like clear uh, KPIs, so key performance indicators for each project. Very specific example. Uh, let's say that someone is going to manage a community. Uh, his KPI would be the number of people in the community, uh, the growth per quarter, and this type of thing. Um, and eventually, like uh, on Notion, the truth is I like to be organized and I like to have like a, a big overview of things. So initially, I was managing all the processes. Uh, and as we grew, now we have like uh, our head of growth who is kind of like uh, in transition to manage this. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we, we have everything like the, the devs, for example. So the developers, they also have like uh, their, own, um, their own notion where essentially they're going to put all the tasks that they are working on. And, uh, and, and then, you know, we have Slack for communication and Notion for teamwork and, uh, and where we can set up all the processes have like, uh, I would say like documents where you can really like uh, go through how to use each tool, et cetera. So everything is very well detailed. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So you, do you use Slack as well? Yeah. Slack is really good for, for messaging and, uh, and even like, uh, getting in touch quickly with people. Ah, really cool. Great. Thanks for sharing. So I know I took a lot of your time already. I have a few questions. Um, <laughs> I saw that you also develop your personal brand and and tips also for entrepreneurs on Instagram as well and other platforms. We're going to talk about where we can find you. But what is next for you and what is next for Lemlist? So basically, like uh, my goal is to help one million entrepreneurs to launch a profitable business because I want people to live on their own terms, have their freedom, just the way I experienced it. So my goal is to really push. Uh, so like my YouTube channel and also like my Instagram account, where I will share more tips, more insiders view of what we're doing at Lemlist, in order to really like help and also inspire people to to launch themselves and start their own business because it's uh, overall it's really an amazing journey. Uh, I have also planned, you know, like to develop a bit, a bit more courses on uh, on how you can really acquire customers, how to build your online presence on LinkedIn. Uh, I will buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I will be a customer. Put me on the nice. list already. <laughs> uh, and and again, like yeah, keep providing value to our users. So we have tons of things in our community, the Lemlist family, uh, on Facebook, where we're going to do more live interview with really like top experts. Uh, on each stage and then for the product we have really like a big roadmap on how to make it the best for our users so it's uh it's really a mix of those two things but uh it's uh it's really exciting so what, what is your goal for lemlist are you gonna in terms of growth for the next year for example so we want to be at 10 million dollar at the end of the year so uh, that's our goal for the year and then in the next uh, three years i think uh, our goal will be to get uh, close to the 100 million dollar uh, annual recurring revenue. <laughs> that's uh, that's got to be a good challenge, but uh, it's exciting also. Really cool. So if you are going to give tips to entrepreneurs, of course, you need to give us at least two, three tips for our listeners, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are listening to us. What can you tell them? I think like uh, one of the tips I would say, uh, so there is one tip about reading. So I read a lot to learn because some books are really interesting, but something I would give you as a tip is like, we have by definition another bias when it comes to reading. We think, and because this is what we get taught at school, that when you start a book, you need to go from the beginning to the end. Uh, it doesn't really work like that. Uh, if you, if you want to read a book, and just like check, just especially business books, check the chapters and just read the one that are interesting to you. Because if you just force yourself to read something, you're never mm. going to learn things. So when I take a book, if I see that uh, paragraphs are like super annoying, I just skip everything. Uh, I skip things that are not interesting. And then I go to the part that, uh, that are interesting. That's a tip because your time is essentially like the most valuable asset and you can't waste time on, on just like part that don't interest you. Second, second tip that I would give is uh, start doing something. It doesn't have to be perfect. So for example, on LinkedIn, uh, my first post, uh, it got one like from my mom. <laughs> you know, it was not crazy. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, Your mom is on LinkedIn. That's already a miracle. <laughs> yeah, I asked her to create a profile. Now she deleted it. <laughs> uh, and, and essentially, like after like uh, 
six months uh, or a year, I was reaching millions of people every single month on LinkedIn with my post. Uh, so it's like, it takes time. It's a process. Nothing is perfect, but you have to start. You have to start somewhere. So that's like really, really important. And, uh, and then a third tip, I would say it's like invest in your personal growth. You can always learn new things. So for example, I had to learn like uh, how to type better. So use all my fingers because I wasn't using all my fingers. It has allowed me to be like a bit faster. I also learned how to do like speed reading. So reading with the finger, like, and, and I can read basically like uh, two times faster that I, knew, that I used to read. All these type of things are, are things that you can implement to yourself and do, it's something called like, uh, we can call this kind of like all the biohacking and stuff like that. So how can you become like a better human at doing like uh, the repetitive tasks that you do every time? And, and I think it can be helpful. So yeah, <laughs> you should do it as well. That's amazing because it's the combinations of those tips will make um, some kind of a success. Uh, some people think, you know, oh, you wake up super early in the morning and you read faster and then you're <laughs> going to become a great entrepreneur. It, it works for some reason, but in combination with those yeah. other things you said. So it's no, those, those tips are great. Definitely rings a bell. So tell us about just uh, one book that left a mark <laughs> in your mind. Um, recently a book that I liked and I think I liked it just because, you know, it reminds me of the ups and downs of the entrepreneur journey. It's called Lost and Founder from uh, Ren Fishkin. I like it because it's easy to read and it's really like a personal story. So I love when people are sharing their entrepreneur journey because it will just give you that insight and that message that you are not alone. <laughs> so you will always experience like shitty moments. And I think when you know that other people experienced tons of shitty moments as well, it gives you hope and it gives you a boost of energy to just like go out there and keep moving forward. Great. So talking about going out there, where can we find you? How can we connect with you, with Lemlist, with everything you do? So I think like uh, YouTube, if you want to watch uh, videos, so YouTube is uh, Guillaume Moubesh uh, or Guillaume Moubesh on Instagram. And then my LinkedIn, if you want to message me, my profile is uh, G, but I guess we, we can put like the link in the yeah, I'm gonna put description. All awesome. <laughs> all right. And lemlist.com, something like that? Yeah, lemlist.com for the website. Absolutely. All right. We'll, we'll put all the links. So guys, um, you, I just remind you, you can find the Crazy TVT podcast on SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So share this episode if you liked it with friends or colleagues. And I want to thank from the bottom of my heart, Guillaume, who came and took the time for the Crazy TVT podcast. Thank you so much, Guillaume. Thanks, Batsy. I really had a great time.